Lord, we, we thank you again for your word. It's, your word is not just a sermon, Lord. Your word is not just a verse. Your word is Jesus. It's the gospel. It's the whole counsel of God. It's, it's the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's the story of how you, God, have redeemed man and made a way that we can know you and serve you forever. And so this morning, Lord, we thank you that you are adjusting, you are liberating, you're setting free. And Holy Spirit, this morning, each one of us needs different things in our lives in order to live a life to please you. And we just give you free reign, Holy Spirit. Lord, even what I've prepared, we just put it before you. We're a community of people in love with you. We're the church besotted with Jesus. You have your way. It's not about us. Let your word come deep into our hearts, Lord, as we, over these four weeks, talk about becoming solid. Jesus, you are solid. You are the rock on which we built. Your words are solid. If we take them and put them into practice, you are solid. Holy Spirit, make us more like your Son. Uh, Father, make us more like your Son through the work of the Holy Spirit. We'll be shaped and fashioned to be like Jesus. In your name. Amen. Cool. So we have been talking about just becoming solid under pressure. And uh, uh, we've been saying just as the world is changing, it is going to put more pressure on us uh, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And that's not just on us, but on the whole world. And we're not exempt from facing the pressure that the world's going to face. We're not going to be exempt from all of that. But what we do know is this, that God somehow deals with us differently to the rest of the world. And you might ask, why is that? It's because you're part of a family. And so turn to someone next to you and just say, you are part of his family. As we look at Exodus chapter 8 verse 22... That's a bit early to drop your phone, Matt. We're not even like 20 minutes into the preach, bro. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, okay, don't distract me. Because then I come with a comeback one. But God is speaking to Pharaoh through Moses in Exodus chapter 8, verse 22. And God says, But this time I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. God is speaking directly to Pharaoh, a hard hearted. Um, king who who doesn't want to hear God, doesn't want to listen to God. God is speaking to him and he says, I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. No flies will be found there. Amen. Then you will know that I am the Lord and I am present even in the heart of your land. And I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. And this miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. Two things that I, I love what God says there. You know, God is everywhere. We know that. But he says, my manifest presence will be there, Pharaoh, even in the heart of your land. Isn't it amazing that we can be surrounded by pagans, people who don't believe in God's systems that are ungodly, a world that is just getting worse, but God's presence is manifest presence is wherever his people are even in the heart of that land and he says i will make a dis clear distinction between my people and other people and so even though we face whatever the world faces there's a distinction between the people of god and those that are not the people of god there is a clear provision, protection, and promotion in God's family that, that the world doesn't have. 
And so when we look at the future and we talk about all this pressure and you, you might be thinking like, wow, that sounds a bit like hectic. We don't look at the future with anxiety and fear, but with courage, knowing that God has, he's going to make us solid. His presence is with us and his, his power is at work in us. Like we said in Psalm 29, verse 11, the Lord gives strength to His people and He blesses His people with peace. Can you see that? His people. And so as we face what the rest of the world faces and we go through what they go through, what, what God's saying is not that we won't face trouble. It's not that He'll take us out of this world, but He will give us strength and He will give us peace um, that's what we're talking about. So last week we started by talking about how God gives us strength to live for His purpose. Many are the plans in a man's heart, and the world has many plans for the world, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I hope you're reading those devotions. They've been really, really cool. Um, I want to encourage you, don't just skim over them. Those verses we've prayed over, and some we've had to correct because... The one I, I, I put out, obey the emperor and all that, was a wrong verse. But it's still a good verse. Every verse in the Bible is a good verse. But uh, Anna and those that were helping me, I was, are you sure this is the one? And I was like, let me just check. Okay. But you must obey the emperor. But um, those verses, we really prayed through them. And they, they, if you will take them and just take a little bit of time and allow the Holy Spirit to make you solid in your purpose for God. I think the biggest enemy of purpose is distraction. The biggest reason why people are not living for the purposes of God is because of the distractions of the world. And, and remember, we looked at that last week, how God many times stepped in. 722 BC, 587 BC, 70 AD, God allowed certain things. He stepped in to bring His people back to the original purpose that He had for them. And it's amazing when I take my eyes off what it is that God has created me, no matter how good my life looks, I'm missing the whole goal of life, and that is the purpose of God, that is to know Him and to make Him known to the world. So you've got to refocus. And, I, and we've said as the church of Jesus Christ, you're part of that family. You're part of the church family of God here on the earth. You're part of God's big family. And God, God is a big dad. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Thank goodness for that because you're going to have your own and I'm going to have my own. But he's big. He's, he's huge. And God's plan for his family is huge. It's a global plan. And so sometimes God has to bring the church back to focus on the purpose why she exists. And that's what we've been talking about. Today we're talking about faith and your prayer life. And I do believe that faith and prayer is a response to being called according to the purpose of God. Now, um, I do want to say this when I talk about prayer and faith, because they're very spiritual in a sense. But through the world, there is an invisible force of darkness at work in the world. And he that's at work in us is the spirit of the living God. And he's calling us according to the purposes of God. And what you find, and, I, and I'm sure you've experienced this, at some points, 
especially when it looks like it's a massive personal crisis in your own life, what's actually happening is there's this collision or this confrontation between the kingdom of darkness that's at work in the world and the kingdom of light that's at work in us. And it lands up in this little, this what seems like a confrontation. You know those days when the, the microwave and the car and the um, dishwasher talk to each other and decide to break on the same day? And then the, the, the teacher at school and your colleague and your boss all seem to have a bad day, and they're all like, there's this conflict. And then you go home, and someone ate the lasagna that you put in the fridge from yesterday. And then if you're on the band, it's like a Thursday night, you come to practice. And as you're at practice, like something goes wrong with the sound. And if you... <laughs> oh, another confirmed or denied. And it's funny, then you come to church and it seems like someone took your coffee and they're sitting in your seat and it's like, what is going on? It's like something's going on that's more than just a sequence of unfortunate events. There is somehow when you begin to live for the purposes of God, when we read the scriptures, you see like these confrontations begin to build up and lead up to the stressful point where it seems like there is this personal crisis in my life that, that really poses a practical and a, a, a very serious threat to my existence. No? I mean, coffee, if someone drinks your coffee, that is life-threatening. That is serious. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I think like, yo, God, I better just pray more and do more and I've got to work harder and I've got to fix all of this and get all this right. And f but, but if it's a spiritual confrontation, we need a spiritual response to be a solution. It's not just readjust. It's a spiritual response to a spiritual confrontation that's necessary um, under that point of pressure. And so this is, this is why I, I, I talk about um, prayer and faith being a natural response to the purpose of God. Because I tell you, if you make a decision to live for the purposes of God, that's a great start. The biggest enemy of, of purpose is distraction. So you get rid of all the distractions. You begin to be more focused with your life. But I tell you, that doesn't mean everything's going to be plain and sailing. Plain sailing and sailing. And sailing. That wasn't a funny, dude. I just want to say, last week Craig said we should sit when we st when we're supposed to. Anyway, let's bring that up. Nehemiah. Thank you. <clears throat> Nehemiah, I love this verse in the NLT, chapter six, verse nine. And someone prayed this at the prayer meeting beforehand. Um, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continue to work with even greater determination. If distraction is the enemy of purpose, then discouragement is the enemy of faith and prayer. Because when I'm discouraged, I know how your prayer life is. I know how your faith life is when you're discouraged. And often... In Discouragement comes from intimidation. It seems like this big personal crisis. But you see, <clears throat> I believe that what for us is a personal crisis, for God is an opportunity. 
And so uh, Romans 8.28, you would have read this in your devotions. I'm talking to those who are called according to His purpose. Romans 8.28, we know in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. When you know God's called you and you begin to respond to what God's called you and His purpose, it says here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, God's purpose in all this was to use the church. Can you say to use the church? Yeah, so the church exists for God's purpose First and primarily, to use the church to display His wisdom in a rich variety uh, to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the, in the heavenly places. And this was His eternal plan which He carried out, or the NIV says, which He already accomplished through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so you understand that God, what God's purpose is, but you understand that Christ has already accomplished whatever is needed for us to live in the purposes of God. And so what we require is not more work, but to lean into the work of the cross that He's already done. Does that make sense to you? And so faith in prayer is not this thing of like you've got to work harder. It's like you've got to pray hard. No, faith in prayer is almost a response to being called according to His purpose and leaning into what Christ has already done. And if you see there in verse 12, because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now boldly and confidently come into God's presence. So here's the thing. When the microwaves and all those things talk, because there's the internet of things and they will talk to each other. When that happens... What I need to do first and foremost is come boldly into the presence of God. That's my response. Do you see that? Because in Christ, He's already accomplished whatever I need to get through this. And so, um, when we come into His presence, that's where we find faith. And 1 John 5 verse 4 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. So it's very clear that I come boldly into His presence, and that's where I first and foremost get faith. And then you know also it says that in James 5 verse 13, Is any one of you in trouble? He should. Or the, the message Bible says, Are you hurting? Pray. Thessalonians says, Never. Stop praying. So I'm saying like, God, I, I want to be solid in my faith and in my prayer because I know these two kingdoms are going to keep colliding. And if you, if you read a book like Daniel, you see this constant colliding between a pagan world, which behind it is the spirit of darkness, and the people of God living for the purposes of God and the Holy Spirit working through them. And, and it often results in kind of this personal challenge on your personal life. Whether it's policy changes or politics or relationships or what happens, whatever happens, it has an impact on your life. But the solution is always prayer and faith in the presence of God. I think a mistake that we make with prayer and faith, and, I, and, I, and I'll show you a couple of examples of what I think it means, but I don't think it's good... How can I put this? During the time of peace is the time when you should build your prayer and faith. Because if it's only in a crisis, now I say this very um, nicely. <laughs> if you only pray and have faith in a crisis, 
you will always be in a crisis. Did you get that? Why? Because God wants you to pray and have faith, not because He wants you to perform a ritual, because faith and prayer really is a response in relationship to God. And so if the only time you pray is when you're in trouble, now if you're in trouble right now, it's okay to pray. That's a good time to pray. But I am saying during the time when you're not in trouble, that's when you have to work on your faith and your prayer. Because when the test comes, it's only going to reveal where your faith and prayers are at. And so King Asa, 2 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 2, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places. He smashed the sacred stones, cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places of incense and incense altars in every town of Judah and in the kingdom. And the kingdom was at peace under him. Verse 6, he built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace. Did you see that? When it was peace, he fortified and he built. So you can see what he's doing here, King Asa. He's reassessing, he's rearranging, he's reinforcing. You see that? Even during the time of peace. And so when we talk about prayer and faith, let me say this. If the church of Jesus Christ in 2022, guaranteed, if we will all pray 10 minutes more, the church of Jesus, every day, the earth will be a different place. Just that. Just pray. Because God works through prayer. We clearly see it from the scriptures. And so, but the problem with us sometimes is there is this deception that when it goes well, I'm doing well. This is what Jesus said in Luke. And you can go read these for yourself. Luke 6. Remember he said, if you take these words and you build them into your life, you build, uh, you're like the guy who built his house on the rock. The river's burst its banks and came crashing down, but the, the house stood because it was built on the rock. So what he's saying is the storms reveal the foundation. Now, how many remember when we just moved into our house here, yeah, we had those floods? Remember that? <laughs> Man, and the first night, you can ask Ronald, we, we, when that storm came and the waters rose at the back of our house, I had a bucket. I was scooping it around the house. There was nowhere for the water to go. And then the second night came because it was like two nights. But I want to say when the storm's happening, Auntie Jenny, you remember that? <laughs> we came to your house and drain pipes and all sorts. But you know, when the storm comes, it's not a good time to try and adjust your foundation. You kind of got to wait for the storm to go past. And then assess the damage. And then make a decision to build differently. And that's what I did. I put pipes like this in, I tell you. I wasn't going to do that again. And Jesus says it's the same thing. Your faith and your prayer are mostly tested. And it reveals where you're at more than it's built under pressure. The disciples had the same thing. If you read Mark chapter 9, and it's not on here... And also Matthew 17. Remember there was a demon they couldn't cast out. Can you remember that? And, and it's strange because it's like they wrestled over this. They wrestled over this. How come 
it was like a crisis in their personal life. Because they were going along, moving along with Jesus, and then suddenly came this confrontation. And um, <clears throat> you know the story when they asked Jesus why they couldn't cast him out. Jesus said in Mark, he said, this kind only comes out by prayer, or some translations, prayer and fasting. Now, do you think Jesus was saying, okay, you, you get to this demon, can't come right, then you say, can you just wait? I've got to go and pray and fast, and then I'll come back and we'll talk again. No, I don't think so. I think, you see, Jesus had spent the whole night praying. Jesus, he had this reservoir of prayer that was built up so that when the confrontation comes, it's there. Do you get it? In fact, the other translation is the one Anna quoted about faith like a mustard seed. Both is prayer and faith that Jesus is quoting to overcome. Because in Matthew, he says, oh, you unbelieving generation, how long? It's because you have such little faith. It's amazing because prayer and faith are both actually a response to God. They are not a way of getting God to do things for us. And this is the mistake. If you think prayer and faith is only getting God to act on your behalf, then when it goes well, you don't need God to act on your behalf. Someone stealing a wheelbarrow. It's a hijacking. Amazing how Jeremiah says this. I warned you when you are prosperous, but you replied, don't bother me. Later on, he says, or earlier in that chapter, he says, A beautiful cedar palace doesn't make a great king. Your father Josiah also had plenty to eat and drink, but he was just and right in all his dealings. That's why God blessed him. What Jeremiah is saying is, just because you have this big palace, everything's going well, you prosper, doesn't mean that your prayer life and your faith life is where it should be. And then often what happens to us is we get this confrontation, and, and it's like, so we've got to build during the time of peace. Is that all right? Not so cool. Well, here's the test. Isaiah chapter 3. <laughs> what is that? Is it a bird? Someone could tweet Q20 on that wheelbarrow wheel, bro. Hey? It's a tweet. Ah, now I'm distracted. Isaiah chapter 3. Let's focus. Try. I'm talking to myself. Isaiah 3, here's the test. You want to know what's a test of prayer and faith? Here it is. See now the Lord, the Lord Almighty, is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support. All supplies of food, all supplies of water, the hero, the warrior, the judge, the prophet, the soothsayer, the elder, the captain of 50, the man of rank, the counselor, the skilled craftsman, the clever enchanter. You see, if God had to take away everything that I put my faith in, where would I stand? And so I think it's often a good thing to do like what Abraham did, and you take those things and you put them on the altar because if your faith is in God, then even when those things are removed, your faith is still solid in who God is. 
that same chapter, verse 10, God says, He says, tell the righteous it will go well for them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. That's amazing. God says, I'm about to take the supplies away, but those who have faith, it's like it will go well with them. Because if God is the one that you put your faith and your trust in, then even in the times of testing, you'll be solid. So let's end off this by doing a practical kind of story of Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, because we see prayer and faith being the response. Daniel chapter 1, we see Daniel being determined to live for the purposes of God. And when you make a decision to be determined to live for the purposes of God, at some point you're going to make a confrontation <laughs> with the kingdom of darkness. And when that confrontation happens, you need to make sure that you're leaning into prayer and faith and have it as a, as a practice in your life. Because if that's the case, and if your faith is in who God is and what He said, then even in those times, God will provide, God will protect, and God will promote. So Daniel chapter 2, and um, you can read that maybe for yourself. I'll just pick out a couple of verses. But in Daniel chapter 2 verse 1, it says, In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his mind was troubled, and he couldn't sleep. So here we go. Who was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar? It was? God, Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan king, didn't want to know about God, but God begins to speak to him. God is working in the lives of the unsaved people around you, even when you don't know it. You see, Daniel and them were moved from Israel where they were in their little bubble and everyone was Christian and everyone, they were all having their quiet times together and, all that, and thrust into a world with a pagan system and people who don't believe God. The same as in Acts chapter 6 and 7 when persecution breaks out and the church is scattered. And Daniel is there and he's living for the purpose of God. And as he's living there, he's not even aware, but God is there in the heart of that land. And as God's presence is there, God begins to work in the unsaved people around him. And he's not even aware. And what begins to happen with Nebuchadnezzar is, I mean, he starts, he starts losing his mind. He's so angry. He's like, he gets all his skilled people and he says, okay, guys, so now you got to tell me what I dreamt and what it means. And no one can. And eventually he's so worked up in this situation that he's furious and he, he makes a rule at work. Kill them all. Can you see the buildup? There's a kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light that's on a collision course here. And Daniel... Daniel is just there. And, and Shadrach and Meshach, and they're just there. God has just put them there. And I tell you, it's such an encouragement for you because sometimes you go to work and you think, what is going on with this guy? Well, maybe God was speaking to him. And you know, for unsaved people, when God speaks, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. What is this? What is going on? I don't understand. I don't. I'm the king. I'm the most powerful person. But when God just speaks a few words, I'm totally rattled. And when he's so rattled, he's looking for answers. He's searching. Man, I tell you, this week, yesterday, um, I was telling Craig, 
guy who's comp- he was completely atheistic. When I got to know him, he didn't want to hear about God. Sat in our lounge yesterday. We're talking about God. We're talking about uh, marriage and those kind of things. Someone phoned me in this week from out of nowhere. Guy that does industrial relations. He's got a problem with the employee. Anyway, anyway, he needs someone to help him spiritually. He can't. He's, he's taken his profession as far as he can now. This seems to be God's doing something in his life. He needs, how do I find the, the God answer to this? It's crazy because you and I have got to understand that if you decide to live for the purposes of God, God is going to work in the lives of unsaved people around you. And I love this because I love the way that Daniel handles this and every time how they pray and how they trust God. You see, this, this king is now anxious and he's irritated and he's annoyed and he just does something out of his, well, it's a bit in his character because he's like, okay, just kill them. Can't find a solution, just kill them, just fire them, just, you know, end it. And what Daniel does in chapter 2, verse 15, look at what he asks. He goes to Arioch and he says, why has the king issued such a harsh decree and so Ariok told them all that had happened you know what I love about Daniel he doesn't automatically go like oh save me Lord save me save me save me please this is now personal crisis for me because I promoted my friends to be part of the wise men and now he's killing all the wise men and you know what I feel so bad because I involved other people in this and now our lives are threatened and now our jobs are on the line and all this Lord just please save us save us save us save us no he, f- he asked the question, why is this guy doing something that's so harsh? Because maybe, just maybe, God's doing something here. Maybe God is working in his life. And so Daniel wants to know, why? Tell me why. What's happening with this guy? And he goes to him, and you know the story? He, he says to that king, you're amazing, but I need time with the real king. Can you give me just a little bit more time with the real king? And he, he goes in Daniel chapter 2, verse 17. He went home. He told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He told them what happened. And we'll talk about solid relationships maybe next week. But the, the importance of having good partnerships in a time of crisis, is crucial. And he urged them, look at what he said to them. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret. I love this. He doesn't just say, Lord, just save the four of us. Save the four of us. He he wants to know the secret. Ingredient. He wants to know the secret. Why? Because he knows maybe Nebuchadnezzar needs to get to know something about God that he doesn't know. I I don't know if you can see this in a prayer, but I just see like so many Christians, Lord, just protect us. Lord, just take us out. Lord, just, they don't ask why is this happening? And they don't say, Lord, show us something that we can reveal something of the mystery of Jesus, the mystery of God to the world around us. And so prayer is a response to God. And you see that God answers, God answers. And of course, if you seek first the kingdom, all these things are added. And of course, when you live for the purposes of God, God saves you. But I want you to see that Daniel doesn't 
pray for only a result for himself. In fact, those three boys say it doesn't matter the result. The result is up to God. Whether he saves us from the fire or he doesn't save us from the fire, that's not the point. God is busy working. And and as I lean into my faith and prayer, I'm able to stand under the pressure and show the world something about God that they didn't know. That was the very reason why God sent me there. And I think sometimes the church, we are so like, I'm blessed and the Lord protect me and, and, and all that. And I want to tell you, there is provision in heaven. There are storehouses upon storehouses. You think about the looting and everything that's stolen. It's not even a fraction of what's in heaven. Those storehouses are secure. They are there. They are eternal. They are just packed with stuff. And God can just, He's given us the keys. He can just unlock the storehouses of heaven. Provision, protection, promotion, none of that is a problem. The problem is that God is saying, what are you relying on? What are you leaning on? Where is your faith? And how's your prayer life? And I want you to be connected to me and in line with the purpose for which I've created you. I think that prayer is far more about listening than telling God what to do. It's far more about asking and hearing and listening what is God doing. Reveal the mystery to us. It says that night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision and he praised God. Look at, look, at, look at what Daniel says in chapter 2, verse 27. Just look at this. Daniel replied, so you know he, God shows him what the dreams mean. And the dreams, here's the thing. The dreams, number one, they reveal something to Nebuchadnezzar about God. God can speak to you in your dreams. And he can use someone totally different to interpret your dreams. God's got your number. That's number one. Number two, the generations that are to come, because what the content of what God's saying is there will be a, the Babylonian kingdom and then the uh, uh, um, Cyrus and, and then the Greeks and then the Romans, there are four kingdoms. So for the generations to come, God is wanting to reveal something of his will and his purpose. If you just prayed, Lord, just save me, please. Just save me. It's such a small prayer. I'm hoping that we, we understand that a personal crisis is often an opportunity for God. And in our personal crisis, that we lean into our faith in a big God. And then our prayers are more like, why is this happening? And Lord, what are you saying? And how can I respond so you reveal the mystery? It's the same with Paul and Silas. They prayed the prison doors fling open. They don't say like, whew, that's us, we're out of here. Thank goodness, good riddance. And the jailer is committing suicide and it's chaos. And they are, well, anyway, we're not, um, thank you, Lord. No, they stay right there. Why? Because God put them there for a purpose. Daniel says in chapter 2, verse 27, There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Wow. Wow. Daniel doesn't say, here's my chance. And like, thank you, Lord, for my get out of jail free. I'm done. Um, that crisis is averted. No, he says, 
God is trying to show you something about who He is. He's a God that reveals secrets, man. And you know that Nebuchadnezzar actually comes to faith. You know that. Imagine Daniel prayed that small prayer. Oh, Lord, please, Lord, bless me, Lord. Protect me, Lord. You can pray that. It's okay. I'm just saying to the church of Jesus Christ, if God wants to use us to show his wisdom to the powers and principalities, our prayer life needs to change a little bit. Our faith in what God can do should change. Okay, quickly. You see again in chapter 3 in Daniel, and we, we just mentioned these things and then some practicals. In Daniel chapter 3, we've said this, Nebuchadnezzar makes this statue of gold, and, and it's the financial system, it's the economy, it's the politics forcing everything else to bow down to it. And he says, when you hear the music, kneel down, worship the statue. And these three boys refuse to do it, you know that, because they understand what's happening here is this a clash because of worship. It's because of worship. It's about what you worship and what I worship, and, and this is on a collision course. And, it, and it, it starts off slowly, but it builds up, and then it becomes a personal crisis. Because at some point, you've got to decide. And so, um, I love this, because this is a reflection of their faith in who God is. Not asking God for a result. Leave the results up to God. The result is up to God. And I'm telling you, it will always be good for us. If we seek the kingdom, all of those things will always be added But if we don't put the kingdom first, those things will keep seeming to get out of our reach. And so in chapter 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Something of what was said this morning. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Can you see what faith is? Faith in the character of God. Not faith to tell God what he should do in this situation, what the outcome should be, how the results should look, but faith is like he's a God who reveals mysteries. He's a God who's able to save. And so they say like he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. I love that. That's faith. You see, when I hit the personal crisis, it's not like I need to work harder, do this, do that. I, leave, I go into the presence of God. I get faith in who God is. God is able. God reveals mysteries. God, God can do this. And I pray. I say, Lord, why is this happening? What are you doing? And how can I reflect you to the world around me? The last one we know in Daniel chapter 6. See all these clashes in the book of Daniel. People are in exile, but there are some that are standing up for God. You live for the purpose of God. At some point, you, you're going to get confronted. And a spiritual problem requires a spiritual answer or a spiritual response, and that's prayer and faith. Um, you know they, they have a problem with Daniel, and so they um, get the king to make this rule that the next 30 days, you can't pray to anybody except to the king. And this is Daniel's response, chapter 6, verse 10. And we'll do a couple of practical things here as well. But Daniel 
when Daniel had learned that the law had been signed. Isn't it amazing how... That's a funky wheelbarrow. <laughs> when sometimes small policy changes or rules or something ends up filtering down in a pagan kingdom and regime and ends up a personal crisis for you, you know? The response should still be a spiritual one, prayer and faith. Daniel learned that the law had been signed. He went home. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. And then the officials went together to Daniel's house, found him praying and asking for God's help. Well, we know the story. This time they throw him in the lion's den and... And um, God just shuts the mouth of the lions. And the next day, they throw the oaks who were behind this whole deal. And I mean, they didn't even touch the floor. And the kitties destroyed them. So the point here for me is, number one, look at Daniel's posture. He went home. He knelt down. And so when we look for practical points on prayer and how to pray our posture is one of humility it's not one of of lord you need to do this because you said that and god you 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 no it's look at his posture it's one of humility it's one of saying lord i don't trust in anything else you can take everything else away lord i still have you and my faith is in you and who you are. And prayer is about that humility. And prayer is about saying, Lord, will you speak to me, Lord? I need to hear you, not you need to hear me. See that? And then it says here, um, as usual. So, I mean, he made it a regular thing. Even before this crisis was there, he had a lifestyle of prayer. And we've said that. I want to encourage you, make prayer regular. Prayer shows how much I depend on God. I was speaking to some young leaders last weekend. Some, some of them are here. And I said, you know what? Every time before we get up and talk to people, there should be a... F Imagine if God flashed up on the back on the screen how, many, how much time you've prayed. It's not, not preparation, not putting your sermon together, whatever. How, long, how much have you prayed this week? Before we lead worship, before we talk to someone about Jesus, but just flash up, how much have you prayed? <laughs> someone said once, before you talk to someone about God, you need to talk to God about the person. As usual, in his room, I want to say when you pray, find the right place where there's no distractions. I'm a walker. Uh, I find it very hard to sit still and pray. I walk and pray. So I find places where I can walk and pray. It's find the right place. Then his window is open facing Jerusalem. Now that's Old Testament. The New Testament, our Jerusalem is where? It's the New Jerusalem which is in heaven, which will come down like a beautiful bride. So when we pray, we have a kingdom focus. We have a heavenly focus, not just 
you know what Daniel was doing? He was saying, I'm not just praying for me and my crisis. There's the temple. There's the people of God. There's Jerusalem. They're in trouble right now. My prayer is not just for me, but Lord, what are you doing with all of us? What is your plan for the people of God? What is your plan for the church, Lord? What is your plan, what is your plan and your destiny for the people of God? My prayer, when I'm praying, that's where I'm looking. Not at my belly button. And it says here that um, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God, prayer is often just thanking God, thanking God. I tell you, when you're grateful, you complain so much less. And a lot of our prayer is just moaning at God. Not, not maybe even moaning to God, if it's not moaning at God. Oh, God, look at that guy. How can he? No, Lord. Oh, God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's, that's not prayer, just so you know. Giving thanks to God and asking for God's help. Jesus said we should ask. All right, so now, the last thing I want to say about prayer. Is that good? I know this is very practical, and the subject of faith and prayer are big, and, and the goal of this talk is not for us to delve into that, but it's to say in the context of pressure, Get your prayer life and your faith life in the right place. Because I tell you, when the world is under this pressure, it's only those who get strength from God that will be able to stand. Now, I want to say God has put you where he's put you because there are some unsaved people around you. And he's working in their lives. And sometimes they might irritate you and cause a problem for you. I get it. But ask God why. And then ask God, what are you doing? That comes with prayer. And then believe that God is able. God reveals mysteries. God can do things. So we can point people to this incredible God. The last thing I want to say about prayer is Romans 8 verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. When it comes to prayer, prayer is, number one, a response to God out of being called for his purposes. Prayer, secondly, is a listening to God to see what he's doing. Prayer is a asking God for help but prayer also becomes a mighty weapon with which we push back the kingdom of darkness. And in order to pray like that, we will need the help of the Holy Spirit. Because this verse says, He helps us in our weakness. And if I can just say this to you, maybe you've served Jesus for a long time, maybe you know all this, but there, is a, there are two things that the Holy Spirit does. If we just try and get our theology around this. When I'm born again, when, when the life of God enters into this dead soul, I'm regenerated by the Holy Spirit, by my faith in the Lord. The Lord, three persons, one God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know this. 
And Jesus is involved in our salvation. The Father is involved in our salvation. And the Holy Spirit is involved in our, in our salvation. I believe in Jesus and the Spirit of God gives me new life. That's regeneration. And, and the scriptures speak about that. But there is an empowering that comes by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it happens the same time as when I give my heart to Jesus. But sometimes I give my heart to Jesus. And, I, and, and there was an empowering that happened to the church in Acts chapter 2. Now, some of those disciples had been with Jesus in Mark when he breathed the Spirit of God onto them. But in Acts chapter 2, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues and praise God. And so there is this heavenly language that the Holy Spirit gives us to be able to pray. And, and if you read 1 Corinthians, it says that, yes, my mind is not active, but my spirit is active when I'm praying. But this is the Holy Spirit enabling me to pray in other tongues. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter was there. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, they pray again. Peter was there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we, we, we constantly getting filled with the Holy Spirit, but there is an empowering that comes in our lives after our salvation where the Holy Spirit enables us to pray. And I, and I want to say that you cannot pray without the Holy Spirit. That verse is true. Romans 8, it says, God helps us in our weakness, just as we don't know how to pray or what to pray, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Now, I don't fully understand this. This is one of the mysteries of God, but somehow He comes and He lives in us and He empowers us. And out of my mouth comes a language that I don't necessarily understand, but the Holy Spirit is praying through me. And it's not like he, I'm out of control. And I'm, I, no, I open my mouth and I cooperate with him. But Jude, it says, build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. It's clear. It's there. 1 Corinthians says, I pray with my mind. I pray with my spirit also. And I, I just want to say that in these last days, God will pour out his Spirit. On all flesh. Which means without the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be able to do what God's called us to do. And I want to encourage you today, as we stand together, now. <laughs> and as Estelle comes forward and plays the keyboard. You know, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I'd never heard of this. In the church, I went to from a small, small boy. I mean, I could do many things. I could sleep with my eyes closed. I could, I know the program off by heart. But one thing I didn't know about was the Holy Spirit. And then there was a day in my life where I believed in Jesus. And I accepted him as God's sacrifice on my behalf to wash away my sins and cleanse my sins. And you know, it for me, it happened all at the same time. He, f he flooded my heart with his spirit. And somehow my mouth, I began to speak in tongues at the same time where I had never heard of this. Now, I'm not saying praying in tongues is the only sign that you have the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it was one of the things. 
They spoke the word of God boldly. They praised God. They were filled with joy. All of these are signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But maybe today, as Estelle plays now, we <laughs> what are you trying? This is one of those confrontations where the sound is not working. <laughs> but honestly, we, we just do this so that you're not distracted by all the sounds around you. That's the only reason. There's nothing spooky about this. And maybe you can close your eyes for a moment. That just helps you not to distract. It's not some religious thing we do. And maybe you can just, if you're saying, Lord, I, I, I need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I find it so hard to pray, Lord. I want to pray. I know I should pray. But Lord, I don't know how to pray. And I don't know what to pray. And I find it hard to pray. And I, and I, I just, it's, here's a gift God wants to give us. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And it empowers us. You'll be amazed. I cannot, uh, honestly, honestly, I stand before you and before the Lord. I could not live this Christian life without the help of the Holy Spirit. It is not just hard, I've, I think it is absolutely impossible. And maybe today for the very first time you don't understand all this, but you want God to pour out His power and His Holy Spirit on you. I want you, if you're, if you're willing, if you, if you see it in the Scriptures, just, just open your arms if you can. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of saying, I'm, I'm, I'm in the posture of receiving. I'm not in the posture of praying and trying to get something and break through. I, I, I'm just in the posture of receiving. I just want to receive. I need to receive. And then I want you just to quieten your mind and your heart and your spirit and your soul. Just take a deep breath and say, in your heart... Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you said that you would go. And when you go, you will send the Holy Spirit to come and live in my heart. I believe it. I believe it's true. And today, Holy Spirit, I ask you to, to empower me. Just empower me. Empower me. Like that day of Pentecost when those tongues of fire just came. And, 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 and the people that were intimidated and scared and frightened and confused, somehow clarity came. Somehow they began to be this, this powerful people full of courage and faith. And if you've prayed that, just where you stand, please can we just give him a chance to respond to our prayers for a moment. Come Holy Spirit of God and fill us again. So don't tell him how to and what to do and, and just just work with him here. You'll know it's him. You don't ask him for bread and he gives you a stone. You ask him for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you his spirit. Don't be afraid. It's like last week someone said, don't be afraid when the power of God comes. Don't be afraid, but open your heart right now and receive it. Just receive it. 
Sometimes it's like a, it feels like a rushing wind. Sometimes it feels like a fire. Sometimes it feels like just the burdens are coming off. Sometimes it's just that warm feel, feeling of joy coming up in your heart. Then I'm going to ask us to do this. If you can pray in the Spirit, I'm going to ask you to do that. And maybe if this is your very first time, just if the Holy Spirit prompts you, just begin to pray softly, gently, and, and just let it flow and let the Holy Spirit help you. But let's just begin to pray. We're not bringing a tongue. We're not, it's not for the whole church. It's you and God. It's between you and God. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, empower us, empower us again in our prayer life. Just, just set our hearts on fire, Holy Spirit. Set our hearts on fire right now in Jesus' name. Whatever prayer comes to mind, just, just pray it. Just open your mouth, begin to say it, begin to pray. Talk to Him, invite Him, allow Him. Change our prayer life today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Change our faith life, Holy Spirit. You know our weakness, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Wash over us again. Wash over us. Work in us. Lord, that those that need to be refilled, refill us again. For what lies ahead, fill us with the Spirit again, Lord God. Fill up that reservoir of prayer and faith this morning, Lord. You give strength to your people and you bless us with your peace. You give strength to your people and you bless us with your peace. Whatever is disturbing us, whatever is around us, whatever, Lord God, is distracting us, in Jesus' name, give strength and let your peace be on us. And Holy Spirit, we, we ask you, not just today, not just in a meeting, not just here, but even as we walk out of this place, we lean into you. Empower us to do what you've called us to do. It's not more of our effort, but it's leaning more into you, Holy Spirit. We ask you for this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Will you bless your people? Will you protect us this week, Lord? Set our prayer life on fire, Lord. Set it on fire. We want to be in that place where we, we, we pray, Lord, and we don't want to stop because we just, that's where we want to be. Let this week, let it be a change. Whatever seems impossible right now, will you increase our faith? You're a God who reveals mysteries. You're a God who's able to save. You're a God who provides, promotes, protects. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Look out for those devotions. They will be via WhatsApp, on Facebook, etc. We're working on one, two interviews and podcasts, but we'll keep you posted with that. God bless you. Have a good week. Remember to collect your children.